This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about WandaVision Episode 2. I've heard things about you. You and your husband. Well, I don't know what you have been told. But I assure you, I don't mean anyone any harm. I don't believe you. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries. And this is episode two of WandaVision. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And rounding out this trio, I am John Derek. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I am Chris. I'm yes. just so used to going Wanda, WandaVision, WandaVision. <laughs> It just it's, you just combine names now. I just that's how, I thought how you do it. I was yeah. thinking of doing a track don't, underneath the entire podcast, just going one division, one division, over and over again, all the way to the. But it probably gets quite annoying if it goes on for. I hour. guess so. Yeah, <laughs> it could be worse. We could just be saying for the children. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Welcome back, fellow defenders. Great to be back for this episode. This is something that we don't normally do. We normally are very lucky in that we get uh, some previews for uh, episodes of the shows that we cover and we record them day one and put them out we decided to do episode one as you know the day of release and then episode two we put out the call for all your feedback asked you what you thought of the episodes and now we're recording our thoughts on episode two and boy did you all deliver we have got loads of great feedback and guys wait till you get to the feedback section loads and loads of our wonderful listeners that we haven't heard from in a while because uh, obviously marvel's been off air for a year and a half so uh, there's lots of uh, lots of special guests returning for, uh, yes. for our feedback section yes we sent out the fiery call a la lord of the rings and you answered <laughs> you answered rohan yes you did Absolutely. Oh, that's a Lord of the Rings reference. It is. I can't think of a Marvel reference, but I'm sure they I, I'm sure they did something like that. My God, it's been so long since I've done Lord of the Tolkien-esque anything or even thought about it. Well, with the Lord of the Rings series coming up, we may need to brush back up on our Lord of the Rings stuff. But John, you could have easily gone for the on your left call out. Well, I guess. Which yeah. brings everybody back together with the in, in the end of Endgame, you know? Okay, look, my brain's melted, all right. But the I good forgot news. that one. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, just let's just, just do a quick time turning uh-huh. backwards, 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 and Yes, we did on your left, and of course our lovely fellow defenders responded by turning up with the and um, sling rings and to give us feedback 
Indeed. I'm not even editing that out, Sean. Uh, that was really good. But the good news <laughs> for, for everybody that sent us in feedback, as we mentioned the last episode, you are in with the chance of getting your hands on some WandaVision goodies, some WandaVision Funko Pops that are on the way to us at the moment. I just got the notification that they're on their way. So uh, so they will be available. We'll be picking somebody out of the hat for, who has sent us in feedback uh, any time during the series. If you want to send us in feedback, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts about any of the episodes as they go. We're going to be recording Saturday mornings for the rest of the series so gives you time to watch the episodes only half an hour and pop us in some feedback as soon as you've uh, you've seen them we also have a second competition for a separate set of wandavision funko pops which is our pub quiz competition right john yep that is true we'll have a pub quiz question on the episode uh, uh, on each podcast yep. so again send in your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com uh, and of course remember feedback you can send that in to our facebook group on our spoiler posts for mm-hmm. each episode at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tv podcast industries exactly yes exactly. and of course you can also support us by heading on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and subscribing to the podcasts on any wiccan or android loving podcast player of your choice I fellow defenders yeah i love that i love that i want to give a shout out to all of our wonderful defenders who've been sharing our podcast as well it's really really good way to support us there's loads of people covering these shows of course but if you like our show share it on social media share it with your friends share it with your family as Chris used to say, share it with your granny and granddad, with your kids. You know, everybody should be watching this show. It's a real family-orientated show. And in that vein, I do want to give a shout-out to Alfie Blaze, a new listener who's joined us, because his dad, one of our regular listeners, uh, shared the podcast with him. So uh, thank you very much, and thanks for listening, Alfie. Thanks, Alfie. And thanks, Richard. Exactly. Isn't that cool? I know we've been podcasting a long time, as I said to Richard, but I didn't realise it was that long. Two generations now listening to the podcast. <laughs> anyway... Let's get into our discussion about this episode. Uh, the episode was written by Gretchen Enders. Um, she's written a number of ep- episodes of the brilliantly named family TV show, Gortimer Gibbons' Life on Normal Street. I absolutely love that name. That is cool. Yeah, I, like I think it's actually a Disney Channel uh, TV show or one of those uh, TV shows for uh, that's family oriented. So I've never seen an episode of it, but it gets quite a lot of good ratings from uh, from its viewers. Uh, but I just absolutely love the name. Uh, she's also written an episode of Grace and Frankie, the Netflix comedy with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, which is fab. I love the two of those. They're two of my favorite actors. Uh, really, really good. So uh, great to have Gretchen on board here. Lots of, uh, I suppose, lots of knowledge within the um sitcom world uh let's say so uh so great to have her on board here once again episode directed by uh, one of the showrunners matt shackman uh who i think directs all the episodes but we'll know more about that uh, as the season goes on john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode sure in a new decade wanda and vision go out of their way to impress the neighborhood as they prepare for their magic show for the local community fundraiser that's for the children for, for the, the children. children but wanda just wants to fit in In their black-and-white utopia of Westview, strange things are afoot with bumps in the night, coloured toys, and strange radio messages. Wanda meets Dottie, the queen of the cul-de-sac, controller of country club membership, school admissions, and head of the fundraiser committee. But her decorum doesn't impress, yet Wanda just wants to fit in. At the local neighbourhood watch meeting, Vision gets all gummed up as he tries to fit in. Despite some hitches with their magic act, Wanda and Vision's performance impress their neighbours, and things are on the up as they look forward to becoming parents with a baby on the way. Wanda and Vision begin to fit in. 
But as night comes to Westview, a noise outside leads them to a strange figure who certainly doesn't fit in. Threatened, Wanda reverses time to escape, and a new colourful reality in Westview opens up to fit them in. For the children. <laughs> For the children. Uh, the that's great, so uh, good. It is such a hot fuzz <laughs> reference. It really did feel like it, didn't it? Yeah, because that's all. That's a like town a community council as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, <laughs> for the children, I uh, absolutely. I'm really, really interested. What I wonder if that if that will come back in uh, at some later points of the season. I'm sure there's part of it could be a reference to the fact that Wanda is pregnant by the end of the episode. So potentially this whole thing was built for the children um, so I'm wondering there's loads and loads of questions uh, about this episode obviously as we watched loads and loads of weird stuff going on uh, let's get into our uh, top five points for the episode uh, point number one let's just talk about kind of the general setting just like we did last episode what's the inspiration for it what kind of tropes are in there from uh, from the uh, comedy uh, of the period for comedy of the time uh, this episode is very heavily influenced I think uh, from Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie uh, two shows very similar from the 60s where a husband and wife um, are, are living in a normal community and the wife has uh, magic powers in Bewitched mm-hmm. a witch in I Dream of Jeannie a genie uh, because very uh, straightforward <laughs> explanation of what those shows are uh, but very specifically I think the opening titles that we see in here where we have um an animated version of Wanda and Vision flying through the air on the uh, black and white background. That's definitely Bewitched. Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. And, and even seeing when Vision uh, eats the chewing gum uh, and it, you know, it, it goes to like almost a cartoon inside and, and seeing the gum uh, clog up his cogs. I yes. Guess. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to just jump in very quickly too, because again, as a, we talked about it in the first episode. For those who are joining us, thank you. If you haven't listened to our episode one review, please jump back and you will understand what I'm talking about. But um, as a child of the 80s, this in the UK and Ireland, I didn't really, I only started to get the coloured versions mm-hmm. of I Dream of Genie and Bewitch. So I'm starting to get some of the tropes, the references, the cultural touchstones. Yeah. Starting like the commitment to the period uh-huh. is just astounding. Absolutely, absolutely, it really is. You know, and, and I think uh, while I'm not that much older than you, Chris, I know my mom was such a big fan of I Love Lucy and of Bewitched, and these shows used to play on a Saturday morning for us. So. In the days when we had like 12 TV shows that repeated from the 60s all the way to the 80s, just every week, everybody watched the yeah, same yeah. thing. So, yeah. um, so we definitely didn't have the vast amount of TV shows that people have available to them now, I suppose. Um, so we definitely saw a lot of Bewitched and a lot of Adrian Magini, which I suppose in this setting and the kind of basic concept of this storyline in this episode, it really does feel like one of those six or seven hundred episodes of TV, which had a magic user and, um, and their husband, effectively, in those shows, uh, trying to do something to impress the community. In this case, we have the setup is it's an actual magic user and a scientifically impossible person putting on a, a magic show just fake enough to be accepted by the local community. It can't be overly magic or else the community will wonder how weird they are. It can't be, uh, it can't be really bad or else the community won't be impressed by them. So, yeah. Uh, and so I kind of love that setup, but it does feel like something straight out of Bewitched or Idrip And I think as well, like the opening, uh, part of this with the, the two beds, uh, side by side, mm-hmm. it, yeah. that is a real kind of touchstone. I think in, I, I guess, 
the the era of having a husband and wife in separate beds um and i i like you know them coming together dare i say it um for uh, to provide a baby, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I have a little bit of a reference for that one, John. That's uh, very well put on our PG podcast. Very good. Uh, I have a little bit of a reference to that one. Um, when, when movies and TV shows were originally created, the studios formed a, a group called the, uh, the Hayes office. And effectively, they were the people that had, that created this idea that you couldn't have, um, any couple in bed together on TV. You wouldn't show the bedroom. If you had to show a bedroom, you put them in two separate beds. The first TV show to actually put them in a double bed together was Bewitched. Yeah. And that was in, yeah. that was back in the sixties. So, uh, so I love that this is a very specific reference. It's almost remember, remember last episode we were talking about the, uh, the characters were in the fifties. This episode opens with them in these two separate beds. The two beds merge together and then it goes into the, the opening credits showing we're now in the sixties. We're now in Bewitched. So that yeah. is, that is just indicating that that's what's happening. They're merging together and coming into the sixties. The end of this episode is now showing going into color going into the 70s so yeah and it it literally is beds and banging well uh, yeah with the the noises (laughs) outside coming from the tree and of course we do get an immaculate conception here well it's not that not that immaculate when uh, the beds are pushed together at least (laughs) yeah but i don't quite know how vision can accomplish that so i'm going through uh, lovecraft country and can you imagine like each episode having the simple premise uh-huh. like that? <laughs> like a single, single. It's like, we're going to have one thing. You're going to meet a couple of people and that's it. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And even though I've not watched it, something like Bridgerton, you know, a period mm. piece that is now, you know, I guess maybe making people that watch that slightly uncomfortable because it's so hot and steamy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, my mom had to turn that off after three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> she loves period dramas. So she was like, this might be a little too much for me. <laughs> it is raunchy. I, right. um, my uh, better half, I shall say, uh, was watching it. And uh, I have, I was making dinner. And I was mm-hmm. like, dude, oh, okay, it's like Downton Abbey with a bit more period-y. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, okay. I can't have this on when I'm cooking because this is going to distract me. I'm going to cut off my finger. Oh, or burn dinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a period piece. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, you're right, Chris. Like this, this show or this episode of, of WandaVision is a very straightforward premise, but I love that they're balancing the two things, the current sensibility of there's a big mystery behind almost every word that's said in this show, but they also have this very simplistic layer of exactly what would have been there in, in sitcoms in the 60s. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Um, I love that even the resolution, I suppose, to that simple premise is drunken magic show uh, effectively this gumming up a vision where he becomes like a drug person coming in and everybody just finds it funny um it could have completely ruined uh the idea that they're just a normal couple in the neighborhood yeah. because he's using his scientific powers his ability to fly is what he's using uh in front of all these people here who would have no concept of uh of this idea that somebody could fly you know he's a superhero nobody's ever seen anything like that but i love that you know wanda clicks her fingers and it turns into oh it's all done by wires so as long as they can explain it they'll accept it i think it's really funny but that was you know? that was really really good and um, because yeah when he started to float i thought oh here we go this is going to be the moment where I, I guess you know the um behind the trick is revealed you know wanda yeah. and vision are revealed um, and you then have Wanda sort of twitching her fingers to get the wires in and, and all of this. Uh, again, I love Paul Bettany as well oh. doing that magic trick. I thought him with Herbert, also known as Sherbert, 
um, with the card trick. It was just like so good. It's hilarious. Um, all the different. Like he go, he goes through every single. Excellent. Doesn't he go through every single card in the deck? He's like, <laughs> yeah. one card and goes, "Is this your card?" And Herbert goes, "Oh my god, it is." <laughs> yeah, it was just so stupid, yeah, but really good. Um, I like even the opening scene with Paul Bettany, where the two of them are in bed, and you know he he's trying to be the man, and the next thing he's clutching at the bed sheets, all frightened yeah. because of the the noise outside. Yeah. Like I don't know, there's something with his facial expression, uh, which is just kind of just perfect for this type of comedy he is loving um, it you can and, tell <laughs> and it it's kind of interesting i don't know whether on the talent show where he's you know kind of drunk from the clogging up of his insides but it's like he went much more london oh, yeah. uh, in his accent he kind of more cockney kind of coming out i don't you know or south london type, kind of thing yeah he, he really did so. seem to um go much more into that you know as when anyone is kind of drunk they <laughs> they all um, go cockney they, they, no they all kind of you know go into a, a more natural accent i guess so yes fellow listeners as john gets more intoxicated uh, on the weekends he does go cockney just in case you're wondering I, I do not. <laughs> he goes very liverpudlian <laughs> liverpool that's it on the basic setup for the episode, though, is that that's kind of our yes. first point. Yes. Uh, should we talk about the other part of the episode that is also a pretty basic setup? So there's actually two main storylines that are going on. The fundraising committee is our second point, um, because we need to talk about a couple of things that happen in the fundraising committee. Um, yeah, this is kind of, this is kind of more, um, where things become a bit odd uh-huh. and, a, and a bit strange. And, and in a sense, I think vision is, He's kind of um, insulated from this. He's not really seeing this. Yeah. Um, but I think Wanda is the one where the, these strange things are happening. Um, and I, I guess even with the bumps in the night, you know, it, it's shown to be a tree banging against the window. But that final bump outside when they get outside, and we'll come to that in another point, hmm. um, that, that's the one where it really exposes something different. But can I just pull it for a second since we didn't mention it, just because you're mentioning that opening scene where there's something, a tree branch is knocking on the yeah. window. Honestly, because it's the MCU, all I kept thinking was, is this going to end off that it's Groot outside this universe? <laughs> smacking on the walls of the universe trying to wake up Wanda is that what it is <laughs> they're gonna have the budget to do Groot on TV at the end of the series you know because yeah. it absolutely could happen yeah this is apparently one of the most expensive TV shows ever made 150 million for nine episodes more expensive than Game of Thrones more expensive than uh, than Friends final season where every member of the cast was paid a million quid just for showing up and um, this is so they absolutely could do some big things with the universe but I love the idea that this could be Groot outside trying to wake her up uh, just, just struck my, struck my attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but can I jump in? The one, the one thing I just before we kind of get into the ins and outs of the actual subcommittee and stuff. The interesting part here is that ca- the supporting cast is growing. Yes. So yeah. that's one I just wanted before we actually talk about the individual cast members. Um, mm-hmm. The last episode we had one, two, three, four, four sub, uh, four people in the cast. Yeah. Outside of WandaVision, you had the two hearts, you had Agnes, and then we had Norm in the office who mm-hmm. uh, was working with Vision. Yeah. That was the four members. Now we're expanding out and you have this whole other cast. And yeah. I'm going to put a bit of theory in here in okay. that I think these are other humans 
like not constructs or stuff. These are people stuck in there as well. In the supporting, we, we mentioned in episode one, there was these weird credits. Yeah. Um, I think those are going to be some of the names. Interesting. Going yeah, maybe. that flow through. But anyway, yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there because it is interesting that we see that they are expanding the cast so much so quickly. And mm-hmm. it, well, it, again, it was that sitcom trope that as the sitcoms got bigger uh, and the productions and TV got bigger, you could have more cast members. Yeah. And that's how these happened. But it's well, just, as we just, mentioned, yeah, as we mentioned last episode, there was two sets that were yeah. used. One was the house with the kitchen and the other set was the office, basically. This episode, they go outdoors. Yep. Um, they go to uh, the town hall. Town hall. They you've go got to- the house set still. Yeah. Um, you've got the country club with the swimming pool. Yeah. So it's a much bigger endeavor yeah. in the second episode versus the first episode. Still much, much smaller than we'd see on a standard TV show yeah. nowadays. But they're building out Westview as well. Yeah. The, this community, um, this, this town that they're living in as yeah. well. Uh, and of course, with that, then we get to see, uh, Dottie, the queen of the cul-de-sac mm-hmm. and the queen makers. I, I love that, um, description by Agnes of, of who Dottie is. Yeah. Um, and of course, Anya, uh, from Buffy, uh, plays Dottie as uh, well. Absolutely. And I know all fans of Buffy recognize Anya. One of her biggest traits is that she's, not scared of anything. She's a very strong character, but scared of bunny rabbits, which was always the kind of comedy bit that the character of Anya had. So I love just before her introduction, you see Agnes handing over a bunny rabbit to Wanda, and then we get introduced to Dottie. So it's a little, I'm sure that's a little reference to, yeah. her, to yeah. her character of Buffy there. Uh, also, just one thing, because it was used in the trailers over and over again, um, Agnes, it's almost like she breaks the fourth wall because she's handing over the bunny rabbit to Wanda saying, there's the star of the show. And Wanda suddenly kind of perks her ears up and goes, what did you just say? Yeah. And she goes, oh, no, the rabbit is the star of the show. So uh, so I like that little uh, that, that little moment there. Because, again, weird stuff going on. But, Chris, to your point, as you say, they're expanding the cast here. There's, there's some people in here that potentially are pulled into the universe. Because we have that exchange between Wanda and Geraldine, as she identifies herself. Yes. Uh, where they're having a conversation there. And there's, again, an underlying bit of under, underneath what she's saying. She says to Wanda, I don't even know why I'm here. Yeah. And that there is that kind of thing where it's maybe she doesn't actually mean this community meeting. meeting. Maybe she means in the bigger sense, yeah. I don't know how I got here. Uh, yeah. Kind of thing. So. And I think that's the, 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 there seems, we also see that with Dottie when Dottie cuts her hand. There, there's yes. this weird breaking of character, breaking of, universe fourth wall whatever you want Uh to call it or no so it's not really the fourth wall like if we imagine that what we used to call breaking of the fourth wall is now the fifth wall because there's this other tv show within a tv show so technically breaking of the fourth wall is breaking the tv show within one division and then breaking the fifth wall is now breaking the character of one division into our reality and talking to us talking to us so we'll call it breaking of the fourth wall in that sense is that tv show because there's that breaking of the character look at you building new walls i know it's almost (laughs) like i'm a bricky um the underlying mystery is so interesting to me in this yeah it's the outside of the whole premise outside of being in the mcu this is almost like and god forbid me i hate to say this um because i'm about to use the trope this is very lost Oh yeah, yeah. It is like there is just this weird mystery in the background. Like yeah. Lost was essentially 
a castaway show with this weird kind of uh, when I say castaway, I meant like castaway on a the tropical island, like Gilligan's yeah. Island, like you, you're a wreck island. And there was just this weird mystery of what happened, what's going on in the background. This is essentially just a sitcom with this weird underlying mystery in the background. It was almost yeah, like I'm it sorry. bewitched had this ongoing narrative thread. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it, I do love the fact that you mentioned Dottie cutting her hand, but did once mention that we see red blood coming yeah, out exactly. of her hand in a black and white TV show. So a nice uh, kind of what the heck's just happened here? Because I presume you wouldn't see blood on TV even when people cut their hands back in in these shows either. So, uh, so her having red blood coming out of her hand and kind of having that moment of going what's going on and then resetting herself into the character, I suppose. But that's it. And it's also the idea that we see the red blood. We guess that, and from Wanda's reaction that she sees the red blood, but Dottie presumably doesn't. She's not seeing that, I I guess. Well, because she just talks about, I mean, she knows she's cut herself and she knows it's blood, but whether she's seeing the color, because she doesn't make, she doesn't make any reference to it. But of course, with Wanda, it, it's the link back to what she saw in, in, in the hedge because then Dottie is simply talking about um, what's the best way of getting out a bloodstain. But I, I think it, it's that kind of it, it's that kind of writing which is really good because it, it's something of shock value with the blood being red mm-hmm. in a black and white world um, and but everyone else playing it relatively straight uh, other than Wanda. And I, I think, you know, it, it comes to the point where, um, you know, Wanda is saying, I think we got off on the wrong foot here to Dottie. And she, she goes, you know, I don't mean you any harm. And Dottie is simply saying, um, but I don't believe you. Yeah. And it, it's that idea of, you know, that actually is really sinister again, like we talked about in the first episode as to what that means, because we know the power of Wanda mm-hmm. and what she can do. But this is probably simply Dottie saying, I know, or she thinks that Wanda is coming for her Queen of the Cul-de-Sac title. Yeah. Um, that, that's the harm here is that she's going to us- usurp her um, in, you know, the great uh, sort of, uh, pyramid of community power, I guess. Absolutely. I, I have to say, just some of the writing as well with those scenes um, are just a really funny. I love when you have Dottie talking to the uh, to the lady who's standing up first, who's giving all the details about the fundraising event. And she's giving like these amazing, like intricate details about everything that's going on. And she asks her, what about the chairs? But she can't answer the question. So she goes, well, don't ask me to chair any committees then. <laughs> it's like the power is <laughs> yeah. so corrupting her, <laughs> I suppose. This little power that she has in the local community. It's just, it's really, really funny writing. Uh, last thing we probably need to speak about uh, in this community scene, obviously, is the uh, the big break into the world, the uh, the radio message that's coming through. Um, that kind of, it kind of breaks into uh, the Beach Boys Help Me Rhonda. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I do wish was Help Me Wanda, of course, uh, because it would work so much better, but it sounds kind of like Wanda. Um, but the breaking in of this, of this message from potentially the outside world, um, from someone that's clearly familiar with Wanda, because he's calling her by her first name. Um, there was a split moment where I thought it was Captain America's voice. I was wondering whether it was Chris Evans as well. Yeah. yeah but but there- I guess it's not, but it, just for the moment, it, yeah. maybe it's just that kind of all American kind of accent that that's coming from, or just the the time period. But it's like I for a split moment I was like, "Is that Steve Rogers? Yeah. Is it?" But I I guess it's not. And I was wondering whether it could be Happy Hogan potentially uh, in there. Um, 
potentially with there's there's loads of other people that could be you know Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange potentially Doctor Strange is making a connection trying to work out how to get in contact with her um but I just I couldn't work out the voice I, I genuinely have listened to this little clip <laughs> so many times and cannot work out whose voice it is but uh, we will I'm sure find out as yes. the series goes on well I think the important thing as well from that radio message you know it's they say wonder can you read me and it goes kind of into music and then wonder 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 who's doing this to you Mm -hmm. and so like you know in terms of what we were talking about um, in the last episode around you know is she in her mind or is it something else you you know this really kind of just takes that to mean it sounds like either it is that Truman show type thing where she um, is being contained and put into a, an alternate reality and then you know this idea that maybe the, these this expanding list of of characters in in the neighborhood are people that are simply just kind of managing her and watching her mm, yeah. and and then but i also then just wondered well is that the case or is it something where she is being contained because of what happens at the end you know i mean effectively you have as Chris was saying, that breakthrough um, into this world, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, this external, unusual object or person like at the end. And yeah. in this case, the the, the radio message. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. She's still creating this world, but it's being contained because maybe it's a danger to something. Or has this world been created for her that she can manipulate um, and is being housed. So it's almost like a Truman Show type thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very um, interesting. Yeah. I'll very quickly just state my opinion at this point is based on what they're setting up. It's just that what, who's doing this to you mm-hmm. l- leads me more to the credence of that she has like something happened. She went in as an Avenger to fix it and is now kind of imprisoned almost uh it's happening to her versus yeah. what the what we assumed was happening was that more she was cr- devastated by the loss of vision she mm-hmm. is creating a, a kind of reality where she can have vision back again i that is for i that's where i thought it was with episode 1 uh-huh. because yeah. she told vision to fix it she controlled that aspect yeah I'm now less of in that camp. I am now more in the camp of probably they are manipulating her to control. She does have some power, some element of control in there. I just think it's more that things are happening yeah. to she, her. She definitely, yeah, she definitely has some control because she rewinds time yes. within that space. Well, before we get into all of that, because those are kind of the rest of our oh, points, well, that's true. let's go into our ad break. <laughs> I love this ad break. I have to comment to this one, right? I'm the Nick Fury fan. Yes. Uh, so this is the one for me, basically. Uh, the Hydra Watch from a company called Strucker. Yes. Really important character for me. Yeah. I remember we did our coverage of uh, of Age of Ultron, and this was the most egregious use of one of my favorite characters from comic books uh, that the Marvel Universe has ever done, because I was so excited seeing that they, were, they had cast Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, the absolute greatest enemy of Nick Fury, going back to his Sergeant Fury comic books. Um, 
they cast him. They had him in the in the movie. He was in there for about ten minutes and then ran away, gave himself up, and then died. So <laughs> that's kind of it. That's all they used him for. But what's really important for this show? We and mentioned that. last episode that the ad break was about uh, Stark Technology, Stark in- Industries making the toaster. They'd also made effectively Vision. Stark had made Vision. So mm-hmm. this time, the ad break in here about the watch is about Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. The watch is called Strucker. He's the person who created. Wanda and her brother Pietro. They, he's the one that gave them superpowers in Sokovia. So these little ad breaks that are in there aren't just references to the universe. They're also, so far, these two anyway, have been about the creation of the two main characters of the show, which I think is a really interesting kind yeah. of background to the two of them. And the, the TikTok of the, of the watch gets faster towards the end of the yeah. advert again, a bit like with the toaster. So again, mm-hmm. maybe something there around the time element. Yeah. Um, but, I love the fact that they do put Swiss maize on there still, like, um, so good. Just because yeah. every watch has Swiss maize. Um, really good. Yeah. And the little Hydra symbol as well. Yes. Uh, on the face of the watch. Of course. I'm hoping the merchandise people are yeah, going to make exactly. that. You like, you know, so, like, they're going to have to at some point. Because, like, Derek that is. is so going to buy yeah, it. Yeah. Because literally, there's so many people would buy that, like, a yeah, Strucker yeah. watch with the Hydra Absolutely. symbol and everything. I was. Can I can I say one very quick thing? Mm-hmm. I am hoping it is just that. I am hoping it is an ad break. It is just um, it will transition us into perfectly into our next point. I'm hoping the Hydra is a reference just to Strucker and just to the ad break and just to Scarlet Witch and Pietro. I'm hoping okay. Hydra is not the big bad behind this because no. I'm like. Oh god, like yeah guys, come on, we you've got so many, you've got AIM, you've got so many other bad, big bad organizations and mm-hmm. bad guys. We've had our Hydra moments for now in the MCU. I know the whole theory of Hydra is cut one head off and a new one grow, there's another Hydra head. I just think you have so many other I just don't think it needs to be Hydra in this situation. So I'm hoping this is a nice easter egg ad break to hydra right i don't think it will be hydra no, coming I back don't. as as the the ba- big bad in the show i don't think it would work for the show it doesn't make sense i think the big bad is probably the mind of wanda being controlled by somebody else so that's that's more likely but what i would love to see is the actor who plays baron strucker coming back for some form of flashback where yes. we do see pietro and, and wanda getting created or something going on with their creation something like that you've got a tv show with nine episodes to fill worth of mythology for these characters effectively so hopefully this is just a small reference that this is what's going on in her mind she's playing on the creation of von strucker uh of her by von strucker uh and maybe we see some kind of flashback to that as the episodes go on but i don't think it's going to be that hydra the big bads behind it all that's that you're right that story has been played out even though they were created in 1965 and have had amazing storylines over the years yes uh, for 40 yeah. 50 years so. but i think as well you know we i think moving to our point four uh-huh. what we're seeing reoccurring here is this sword symbol um and it's getting weirder in terms of now it's in color with the helicopter mm-hmm. uh, and we see that sword symbol on on the side of the helicopter i think when we first saw it and i didn't quite know it was a helicopter just seeing the red and yellow of like iron man's suit mm-hmm. i was just like going oh okay is this some kind of fragment or of the suit or something that is penetrating that that wall and um, all this reality of, of wonder and um we, we see this this 
this helicopter. And now she gets interrupted by Agnes. And I was, is that purposeful to distract her from uh, the helicopter, you mm-hmm. know, move her along, basically, which is, again, another little uh, nod towards um, the people in this world, in this neighborhood with Wonder and Vision being um, people to, you know, move them along, mentor them uh, and get them yeah. uh I will stop them questioning things. And, um, but it is it, kind of interesting. It also had a fifth number 57 on it, which I didn't know if that re- referred to anything. Yep. Uh, so I'll jump in very quickly. Uh, to my understanding, uh, and I've told you, is, uh, Avengers issue 57 is the introduction of vision. Oh, very good. So, very good. uh, there was an interview on Nerdist on YouTube with Nerdist and, uh, Matt Shankar, the, uh, the showrunner the creative um the one of the writers and kind of creators of the show he said that there's the the prop master um for this show basically was given a bit of carte blanche he was the prop master mm-hmm. for like captain mark he made the shield etc he got carte blanche just go forward and run with it so a lot of these like there are some deep cuts in this episode mm-hmm. and i think this was a deep cut that no one really got until the editing bay because he says in this interview yeah it was in the editing bay i noticed stuff like this yeah yeah and you're like what is this number 57 that's a cool little reference that's a nice a nice one that we see quite often in in the movies in the past in the mcu we see references to their original uh, appearance in comic books or that the number at least appears of that that's that's quite a cool idea we've already mentioned the other kind of weird stuff that's going on in the episode the uh the blood coming out of uh coming out of dotty uh when she cuts her hand um you know that's quite important that's another sign of the red coming into the to, coming into the world the color coming into the world uh the radio message that we've already mentioned earlier on as as things kind of ramp up to the weirdness that was kind of our point number four but we did talk about it a little bit already so point number five we're just going to take out the weirdest things i yes. suppose that happen in the episode our final point for this episode the beekeeper and a baby um you know <laughs> the birds and the bees well yeah, there you exactly. go very good very good i the don't know why, the banging. but the first time I watched the episode, I kind of didn't realize. I don't know why. It's, it's very silly of me, but that effectively at the beginning of the episode, we have them pushing the beds together. It's uh, it's crawling to the covers together. And then at the end of the episode, she's pregnant. I didn't realize that they had specifically set it up in the episode. That that's what had happened. Uh, I, I, maybe I, I just had put it to the back of my mind by the end of the episode, but I thought it was quite funny. Look at you going back to the 60s as well in your mindset. Yeah. I know, I was. I was. I was totally going with So we're going to have to sit down with Derek and explain how <laughs> <laughs> everything biology works. So when uh, a man and a woman <laughs> love each other, they give each other a special hug under the covers <laughs> by magically pushing their beds together. And then within 30 minutes, a baby is created. Yeah. But I do know enough about biology that that's not exactly how it happens every <laughs> single time and for the most part somebody doesn't become quite heavily pregnant within 12 hours of people having sex i kind of know that uh, she was noticeably pregnant um yeah. when they returned back from uh, from their magic uh, excursion <laughs> or so, not so magic excursion and the time dialed up linking into the speeding up of the watch tiktok mm. um the toaster ramping up till its final pop yeah um maybe so uh, uh, the, this is moving in i don't i guess Double, triple, quadruple speed or something. Potentially, yeah. Um, yeah. At, at least for Wanda, anyway. So can we reference the comic books here? Um, she has a high people, metabolism. If people don't mind, a, a little kind it's of just... sort of comic spoiler. Um, the actual comic books between Wanda and Vision in those comics, Wanda does have children, but she's created them herself. So they are magically created, I suppose. So that would kind of explain here 
um, why she's pregnant this quickly and, yeah. and why she's showing pregnancy this quickly. Uh, she would create them. I think John has an allusion earlier on to the fact that, well, you know, Vision's clearly an android. So how does this work <laughs> between the two of them and how would she be pregnant? But they are in a really weird universe here as well. So, uh, I, so- I have a, I have a Bender reference. Please insert Gerda. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. But I do think it's interesting that they are pulling things. There's nothing here. I know everybody thought this was going to be the House of M storyline. Everybody thought this was going to be the Vision storyline from his own book. Uh, a lot of people referencing those kind of stories but none of the episodes we've seen so far are directly connected to those shows they're taking bits of them and creating something brand new here we've never seen a comic book where wanda and vision are based in the 50s in a tv show (laughs) we've never seen that or the 60s in a tv show so so they're taking little bits but i think this is the first kind of big bit of their storyline they're taking wanda being pregnant with uh vision's children but magically pregnant yes and i think that's the 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 core of crux of this which is let's like we we, they're doing what we thought they were doing for like what they did with civil war which is they took a fantastic story comic book storyline and they took elements of it so they took parts of all of these different bits and then put it all together and i think this is what we're getting the tong king vision universe we're getting the original one the vision from the 80s 90s we're getting uh parts of House of M, we're going to get other elements of it as well. They're going to pull in all these parts where and these great storylines. It's all going to... I don't think this is... This is not a... Yeah, it's all connected. It's not a single storyline which everyone assumed. And can I just jump in? This is one of the things I think... (laughs) On yourself? On myself. (laughs) I'm going to interrupt myself. Chris, excuse me, that's a really good point. But what I really want to actually talk to you about is... Okay. um, Stop the voices in there. (laughs) Um, This is one of the issues I have with marketing right now. Which is, they have built the drum on this show so much. They gave them... There was like all these one... Like 30 second teasers, one minute teasers Mm -hmm. online. And I get it. MCU's been gone for a year and a half. They had to drum up. They have overextended, I think, slightly in the... They've given away partially too much and not enough. So I will very much call out that we, uh, as an audience, or those who have watched some of the trailers or interviews, know who the character of Geraldine is because it has been spoiled for us by the actors, the actresses, and... The interviews. Yeah. But everything for that character, when we saw the actress being revealed, we know exactly who her character name is. And we have talked about this, uh, Defenders. We have talked about whether we'll talk about it on the podcast, who she is. Just to be clear, we're not going to talk about it until yes. it's revealed on the show itself. Because I actually think if you know who the character is, my speculation is, if you know who the character is, it kind of spoils her arc in the show. Yes. So I don't want to talk about it here on episode two, because... There are lots of people who are listening to us who know nothing about the comic books, know nothing about the characters, and may not have watched the movie. So we're not going to talk about who that character is. Here she's revealed as Geraldine. We know she's a major character on the show uh, because we know that she's been in loads of interviews. So we will see uh, how her character develops on the show rather than talking about it in advance because there's no point in speculating on something we know. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And I think that's the thing. When they did did the House of M... Um, the wine bottle. They have done the reveal of the pregnancy on mm-hmm. some of the, um, the TV spots and the trailers. It's just, for me, this is like, you've given away slightly too much, 
But at the same time, and I, I, I think this is just as this is a not a problem. This is a it is a product of the world we are in, uh, but also it's a product of 2020 slash 2021, which is they need to, they, we should have had a lot more MCU over the of last course, while. Yeah. But yeah. now in order to drum up the incitement, this this shouldn't have been the first MCU property on Disney+. Plus. We should have had with mm-hmm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is an easier step in than... Yeah. Wanda and Vision. And now that it is, marketing feel like they have to sell it more. That's exactly. kind of the big thing. Because this is, even with all of those spoilers and even with all those trailer cuts and all those teaser trailers, I still had no idea what I was going to get in these two episodes. Sure. I still feel it's shocking. Uh, it's shockingly different from what I expected. Yeah. I mean, we knew about the baby, but here we have Wanda pregnant. It's happy. They've just impressed everyone. They've won an award at the talent show. Mm-hmm. Yes. And of course that suddenly begins to fold in on itself with this noise outside. And initially you kind of think it's just going to be the, the, the trees and the wind again. Groot. Um, or, or Groot maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hadn't thought of that one, but becomes more sinister. It, it, it's the fact that, you know, even if we think that Agnes and, and Herbert may be people that are planted there um they're not, that you, they may not be and yeah. and they're not threatening as such exactly. at this moment in time whereas this takes on a completely different um dimension with this person coming out of the sewer up through the manhole cover yeah. and that look and his face in darkness really great i loved how that was done and yeah. um, with the the sword symbol uh, on the back of, of the the beekeeper suit Absolutely. it's a beekeeper suit but it wasn't until some of the feedback coming in um that the the look of the beekeeper also being a slight reference to aim mm-hmm. and that was kale hensley um yeah. that kind of pointed that out that okay it could be but there's definitely then the sword symbol uh on the yeah. back there and i think um because the constant joke about aim is that their suits look like beekeeper suits. Yeah. why would bad guys wear those particular so, suits? so that's yeah. kind of an interesting little element to it as well but again what really happens here is that we see Wanda has real control in whatever this construct is yeah. because she reverses the time back to the point where they realize that, that she's pregnant and it takes on a different pathway so yeah. again thinking of the time stone and the way um the ancient one described different timelines mm-hmm. yep. but this is happening in a situation that maybe we just don't we don't know the full context of it just yeah. yet it's yeah. still in its bubble um and that was really interesting and also the fact that in the world turning to color that moment where wanda is doing that because you see her red magical mist as it 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 turns everything to color mm. um which is an interesting thing as well because it's definitely her power it's her power, definitely, yeah. but I'm not. I don't think she knows she's doing it. She no, she notices okay. the red face of Vision first. Yeah. So it's it's a really just to talk quickly about that rewinding of time. So, um, so she's threatened by this beekeeper that mm-hmm. arrives. She's threatened by this intrusion into the perfect world. Effectively, she says no. Big yeah. word, no. Yeah. Reverses time back to a moment where she's really happy. Yeah. The moment where she reveals her pregnancy, feels really safe, feels really happy with Vision, and asks the question, is this really happening to Vision? And Vision says, 
yes, it's happening. Effectively, I'm here. We're together. You're pregnant. We're now a happy couple. And then the world starts to turn to color. Yeah. So it's, it feels really like when threatened, she's able to reverse into a, into a moment and change a safe time. Space, a, exactly. A safe space, change time so that she's no longer threatened. Yeah. I think it's, it's what it feels like there. So, um, so whether, yeah, this is a fractured mind where she's in her safe, safe space and there's people coming to save her from that or ch- take her out of that space. We don't know yet, but that's kind of what it feels like here, but it's a cool moment. Yeah. And it feels like a real external intrusion yeah. into this world as well uh, that's the thing uh, like the the manhole being you know the the airlock into yeah. um this this world yeah. um so it is absolutely sawn from the outside world yeah so yeah john i, I think this is uh in my view this is like you said an intrusion so essentially imagine that this is a, a pocket reality if we will okay mm-hmm. um that that when if you were to see a guy in a hazmat suit for the first time, what would you imagine? Oh, it's a beekeeper. Yeah. So the 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 when a, a helicopter, a real life helicopter, flies over or into this, it suddenly becomes something from that time space. So there wouldn't have been a big helicopter like that. It would have just been a toy. So I think mm-hmm. the, all these things that are happening. Like the, they throw a, a walkie-talkie in, and it's spouting out noise, and it's then interpreted as a radio. Oh, uh, right, very good. So yeah. it's all these, all these breaking uh, is them trying to get into this reality, mm-hmm. and that's how it's being interpreted by the person who is control in control to a de facto control or being mm-hmm. controlled to create this reality or has the ability to change. So I think it's someone has captured Wanda. Uh, okay. They're controlling her. So as you said, like she rewinds back to a, a safe space because they're doing stuff to her and the way she escapes this, like, as you said, struck her, right? He tortured them when he created them. To If we think about how we were first introduced, they were in these rooms uh, kind of, kind of break, freaking out and like tortured to a degree by the stone. Absolutely, that was the post-credit scene, wasn't it? When we were reintroduced to them in Age of Ultron, they volunteered yes. to be experimented on. Was how it was kind of framed. Yeah, to a degree. Framed is a <laughs> good All about the framing. All about the yeah. framing. That's a really interesting idea, Chris. You know, like again, as I say, my my little joke from this episode potentially Grooks tapping on the outside is transformed to a tree tapping on the window. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So so she's kind of transforming the the intrusions from outside into things that would fit within her world yeah. or within this this universe uh, but yeah, yeah very interesting yeah. that we're yeah, absolutely suddenly in color at the end of the episode let's see how that plays out in the next episode guys that's it for our top five five points for the episode anything else you wanted to talk about from the episode at all one very quick one uh just which is interesting and i it probably has nothing to do with anything it's just probably a funny story but in the animated intro we see the character of the grim reaper um, okay. in the background, the Grim Reaper is a old school villain, um, from the Wanda Vision universe, Avengers universe, who is, um, Simon Williams, uh, aka Wonder Man, the mm-hmm. superhero, um, the, an Avenger. It's his brother. Right. So we see Grim Reaper in that, uh, view. And I'm like, Oh, 
Ooh. You because could, you could tell people have been pausing the intro to this oh, show. Yeah, exactly. Because I've also seen it reported that exact background figure in the animated uh, bit is the Wizard, who we saw in season three of Jessica Jones, uh, who was also a character that was in uh, One Division. So everybody's picking up on all yeah. the uh, on all the MCU little touchstones as well, aren't they? As they as they go through these episodes. <laughs> uh, the final one is uh, the carton of milk in the uh, animated segment is Bova milk. <laughs> Bova is an atomically uh, walking on. It, it's a character from the the comics where uh, it was a cow that was evolved by the high evolutionary to right. walk on two feet and could talk <laughs> and everything. And it's kind of very, actually a human and was a midwife to Wanda. Yeah, excellent. That's fantastic. I don't know whether I want to drink her milk though. That no, seems uh, like a little weird, too far. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. Uh, I love it. Yeah, so it's again. I just call out. I'm so happy to be back in the MCU where these these uh-huh. little small Easter eggs that probably mean absolutely nothing, but it's just a quick quick nod to these things. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. They're just nice little touchstones, as you say, Chris, yeah. um, on on the Marvel universe. Yeah. Any more notes, Derek? I just don't think we've talked enough about Paul Bethany's amazing performance as he's been gummed up by the chewing gum that's been given to him. I love the whole scene, to be honest, as he walks into this, uh, the meeting in the library and, uh, and everybody's there, or the town hall, sorry, uh, and everybody's there kind of going, oh, we didn't think you were going to be here. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. he's already speculated that the, uh, the ne'er do wells in the neighborhood that, uh, that his friends all don't like are actually Wanda and Vision, <laughs> that they're kind of going, you don't belong here. Um, but he kind of ingratiates himself himself with all of them by uh, by sharing some um some gossip of course because that's what all of these meetings are about gossiping about other people uh, but i love the moment when he um when he's being asked does he want to have um a danish uh, with them and he says i don't eat food i mean i don't eat food between meals um at meal times i'm a i'm <laughs> yeah. a regular eating machine which basically it's it's vision so he is <laughs> but i love these scenes where he's trying to just uh, fit in with the guys around him and and then as we said earlier on, this kind of drunken cockney that comes out uh, through the rest yeah. of the episode. Um, and it, it's just, hilarious. you know, he goes, it's not eating when he takes the, the big red chewing gum. Uh-huh. It's only for mastication. Uh-huh. You see Herbert <laughs> go, I don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> really, really nice. Uh, yeah, good little point. Yeah. And um, I love his, just when he comes in, he says, well, I'll just stand here and wait till you open the floor up. And mm-hmm. then they they kind of do, but for donuts. But it's like... What is the situation with regular security patrols? And he talks about uh, how to the interface with local law enforcement. Mm-hmm. It, it feels really kind of computer analog, the <laughs> way he delivers it. Um, you know, what are the protocols? It's all very nicely played uh, into his, you know, his, his vision side, um, yeah. which is really cool. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I'll uh, put one out to our listeners before we wrap up. The logo on the Cabinet of Mysteries, uh-huh. I, do, I don't know what that is. Pretty sure it's something. No idea what it is. Just if someone knows. I, I thought it might yeah. be a Doctor Strangey kind of type of one, um, but no I idea. was just taking it as some variant on Vision, on Vision's Could be, um, yeah. uh, Mind Stone. Um, Maybe. I, I, that's kind of how I took it because I, I was thinking that as well with it being a magic cabinet, but when it, it kind of felt more 
um, like the Mind Stone, um, just a, but a variant of that, maybe done okay. in the 60s style. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, that would be really interesting. In their sure. non-magic magic cabinet. Yes. yes. <laughs> love it. I love it. Answers on a postcard, fellow defenders. Mm-hmm. But with the notes out of the way, um, what do we think of episode two? Derek, do you defend One Division episode two? Absolutely. I'm loving how the pacing of this show is going. I'm really enjoying the little mysteries in the background and loving how it's all ending. And I'm loving the lead from the 50s to the 60s and now into the 70s towards the end of the episode. So many weird things going on. So much intrigue. I can't wait for next week's episode. Really, really excited for it. Chris, do you defend episode two of One Division? Yes, I defend, but I can understand why people are not. Yeah, I, I, I can see why people are like, this is, I don't, what? Huh? Really? Um, yeah, I do. I understand it. It is so, like, the 50s episode was so 50s. This episode mm-hmm. was so 60s. Um, <laughs> it, it, like, TV consumption and storylines have kind of evolved since then. This is good. This, like, uh, like, for an average viewer, this is good. I think this is great. Excellent. Um, it's do you defend, not exactly. do you defend other people defending. That is true. Thank their, you. Yeah. I, so, I think I need to go through your Twitter feed and your <laughs> Instagram feed and your Facebook feed and pull out all these negative Nellies that you have following you, Chris, because uh, this this currently has a 95% rating on oh, wow. uh, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a massive rating from critics, of course. Now, there will always be people that will, uh, will be against shows like this, always be people that want the whole thing to drop. Remember what happened with The Boys? That had a 15% rating on Rotten Tomatoes because... They weren't releasing the episodes all at one time. So, oh, yeah, I uh, so remember that got taken apart for a couple of weeks and then it's, it's, it's recovered its rating and got massive awards. But, um, but with WandaVision, yeah, you're definitely going to get people that will watch it and go, Oh, I want to see the whole thing or it's not the MCU that I remember. I totally get that. What's interesting about this show. And I didn't want to point this out. What's interesting about the show is this is on Disney plus. We, we know that obviously we've, we're all watching it on Disney plus. But that makes it slightly different, doesn't it? The most shows. It's not something that's appearing on Netflix, which has hundreds of different types of shows or something that's appearing on regular TV or Amazon Prime. This is going directly to the audience who are willing to pay 10 quid to 20 quid a month for the service. So you're going directly to people that are kind of ready to watch this type of show, right? So it kind of gives you a different... A different group of, a different audience, let's say, um, than something that would be going out to Netflix where you could have any type of person falling onto the show and seeing whether they'd like it or not. Whereas with WandaVision, you're actually going to get a lot of people watching it that are predisposed to liking it, let's say. Yeah. I'm just shocked that we're spending 20 quid a month on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so you worth it. You need that 4K HD, John. Well, yeah. that is true. That but is John true. then. What do you think? Do you defend this episode of One Division? <laughs> I do. I really do. Um, I'm I'm kind of loving this. I, I think it helps that it's thirty minutes. Um, you know, it's thirty minutes, and it, it adds a nice pace to the show because, um, you know, effectively this is one episode of any of most hour-long shows. I know that's an obvious statement to make, but, uh, you know, in here, we just see that kind of fracturing or that slight breakdown of the reality um, that we didn't see in episode one with the inclusion of colour and certainly the sinister beekeeper um, at at the end. And I I really, really like that. Um, I thought the magic 
show, the talent show was done just so, so well. I loved uh, that. And I, I, for me, it, it's thrown up loads of questions about actually what's going on with Wanda here. You know, mm-hmm. is she creating it? Is she being contained and, and trapped? Is it being created by someone else? Uh, and she's being monitored. And, you know, in, in a sense, pl- what's that gap between the end of the films to this situation? You know, how did she get here? Mm-hmm. Uh, where is she going to go from here? You know, e- even with those. So there's so much to answer here. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I, I think it's really, really good. And again, I'm really loving the, um, just the portrayal of these different eras in television by, mm-hmm. Paul Bettany and uh, Elizabeth Olsen, really good. So for me, I, I, I give this four Herbert Sherberts out of five. Um, <laughs> nice. I, I really, nice. I really like, I'm really liking it. But I mean, to your point, Chris, I get that this might not be everyone's cup of tea. Oh, there are loads of questions in this episode, John. We have one more question for our wonderful defenders. We have our pub quiz question, don't we? We certainly do. Yes, get. Uh, Get some iced tea, sit in the country club with some crazy queen of the cul-de-sac. And as long as you add a little bit of alcohol, because who could put, get, get through exactly. this whole thing we, who isn't drunk? <laughs> we, we need to just put a little flagon of something into that iced tea just to spice it up. Um, but question two from episode two. What stage names do Wanda and Vision take in their magic act? Mm. Yes. What... Stage names do Wonder and Vision take in their magic act? Send in your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can send it episode by episode or chuck all of your answers in um, right at the end um, after our episode nine question. Yes, closing date for the pub quiz is the 15th of um, of February. Uh, that should be after all the episodes air and before we go into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So uh, we should be able to uh, put together all of, all of your pub quiz questions and choose the recipient of those wonderful WandaVision Funko Pops. Yes. Speaking of feedback, because you've just used feedback at TV Podcast Industries, we've got tons and tons of feedback, which may help to answer some of the questions that we have about the episode. First up over on Twitter at Musical Concepts, otherwise known as the wonderful Matt Burdick, uh, had some thoughts about the score for the show. He says, at TV Podcast Industries, I love the I Love Lucy comparisons made during the WandaVision first episode review podcast. Something to note, the scoring. While stylistically very similar to the little musical cuts you'd hear in I Love Lucy episodes, there is a great deal more scoring than in the I Love Lucy production or Honeymooners or any American 50s TV sitcoms. In the 50s, music helped mostly to transition from scene to scene, but there's a lot more use of cues in the middle of scenes in WandaVision giving narrative context. An example would be right after Vision leaves for work and the music comes in for Wanda pondering the calendar and what the heart on the date means. The music takes a much larger narrative role than in most 50 sitcoms, though you might find a similar comparison in the style of scoring more in the shows like Leave it to Beaver, which came on air almost at the same time that I Love Lucy went off air. Really interesting ideas there, Matt. Yeah, that's that's fascinating Isn't stuff, it? actually. Uh, thanks, Matt, for for that. The, the the role of music in whether it's an emotional attachment or, as mm-hmm. you say, transitioning or or building a context around a particular scene yeah. is just so um, important and can really make or break. Uh, a movie, a TV show, and and this is that, that's really interesting. The difference, sort of, from the I Love Lucy at the time, with the, just kind of focusing mainly on transitions to yeah. the the bigger narrative context that 
you know that music has been used uh, in in this kind of version of it uh, in the co- you know, present day. Yeah. 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 Great yeah. Stuff. Thanks for that, Matt. Uh, the score for the show, just to point out, is, is done by Christoph Beck, who, among many, many other things that he's done, uh, scored Buffy and Angel. Um, so, so I like that, that he's been brought on board for, for this show. Uh, thanks so much, Matt. Let's get on some feedback over on Facebook. Chris? Yes. First up, we have the one, the only, Ronaldo. Uh, he had this to say about episode one. Wow, I thought I kind of knew what to expect, but I honestly didn't expect a full-blown recreation of a 60s sitcom. Elizabeth Olsen seems so natural in the role. It's a real pleasure to watch her. It took me only just slightly longer to get comfy with Paul Bettany as a sitcom vision, but by the end of the episode, I was so invested. Wanda seems to have more of a Tabitha power set rather than what she's had shown in the MCU. Mm. So it could be a bit confusing to see. But for those who have followed Scarlet Witch in the comics, it's exactly on point. Could also indicate it's all in her mind too. Mm. The change of camera use of the dinner table as Mr. Hart choked was the first sign of uneasiness. And it took my partner Eve off guard, who I'm excited to say seems really interested by the show. At 22 minutes, sans credits. Sure, it was short, but man, did it fly by. Guess it was a sign of an enjoyable show. Loved the delicious ending with that mystery person watching the TV screen. I'm in for this ride the whole way. Thank you so much, Ray. And yep, I I can't but agree with you on every aspect of that, as we talked about in episode one. Uh, and I'm glad you've got your partner on board. Welcome, Eve. I'm hoping you're listening to the podcast too. Absolutely. Hopefully it's playing around the house uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that that moment with Mr. Hart choking uh, was was really good in terms of taking it out of that lovely bubble gum um version of the 50s um really really good Mm -hmm. yeah next is alan thomas um alan says i was definitely amused in the first few minutes by the bewitched homage but i confess i got a bit bored with it by the middle section of the episode before my flagging interest was piqued again by the strangeness at the dinner table yeah i mean i i that dinner table scene is the thing where you become uneasy because it is setting just something a disjoint a disconnect in that 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 world that is is both real for them but i I think like i was saying on episode one what they're doing is unreal for us and it seeing it in 2021 yeah and so like there's a the unreality of it all is kind of really really uh fascinating yeah Yes. Um, uh, thank you so much, Alan. Uh, next up, we had some additional feedback from Claire Payne, who had this to say. I actually didn't know what to expect, but the lobster door knocker sold it. <laughs> 30 minutes went so quickly. I can definitely think John agreed you on the lobster Oh, definitely. Definitely. Lobster door knockers all the way. We've got ours on order for the front of our house. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I can't wait to see it. Claire went on to say, the comedy timing and delivery from Elizabeth and Paul was brilliant, but you can feel something simmering underneath. I found myself trying to work out for them what the heart meant on the calendar. Even the commercial for the toaster from Stark Industries was a nice touch. Looking forward to watching the next episode after I've listened to your podcast. Thanks, Claire. Hopefully you waited. You're savoring this each episode like we are. 
And then you kind of went on to the next one and you didn't binge too quickly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for splitting it up for everybody because everybody should, should be able to binge their 50 minutes of these two episodes. Uh, hopefully, uh, it was worth popping on, listening to the podcast. Thanks, Claire. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Claire. Matthew Randall says it's probably for the best that Elizabeth Olsen dropped her accent before this, this show. Uh, but both are so brilliant in these episodes. They almost seem like real old timey characters, but you never forget their Scarlet Witch and Vision, which is great. If people were confused by our power set beforehand, it's about to get a lot worse. <laughs> Why can she change her dress and make rings appear, but not magic up some dinner? I don't even care. The dinner table choking <laughs> scene had me really tense, but I feel like more could have happened. Maybe I'll understand it a bit better after listening to your episode on it. Thanks so much, Matt. Uh, it's, re- it's really interesting is that we were rewatching uh, Age of Ultron last week, and it's so jarring to hear Elizabeth Olsen with her Sokovian accent uh, in the episode. Slightly Russian, slightly European and now having an all-American accent uh, in in the show, and in every movie after Age of Ultron, it was, it, it's just so jarring going back and hearing what her accent used to sound like. <laughs> so my wife is going to be quite happy. She'll never listen to this, but she'll be quite happy that I can say I mentioned this. She had one thing to say, which was, did you mention the accent? Did you mention the accent? Because like you guys, we have I watched the uh, Legends uh, section, uh, mm-hmm. the mini-episodes on... Um, Disney Plus, and it had that accent. Yeah. And essentially, she was like, "What? What? what why does her accent change so much? Why? Like, it, they have they explained it?" Yeah. And I'm like, "No, no, not really. It's just like over years." She goes, "I'm different. I'm foreign, and my accent hasn't changed that much." She was <laughs> like, "Yeah, I know. It, it just look." It's comic books. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Partially, it's to do with Wanda's powers, right? If she's able to magic up all the things she's able to magic up, she can change her accent too. <laughs> Maybe that's all it is. We're all hearing it in this perfect American accent, but actually she's still got the Sokovian accent underneath it all. <laughs> uh, both Matthew and, uh, and Ray mentioned the power set of Wanda in the MCU. It is really interesting. When they started out, she was effectively created by Baron Strucker. So they gave her a very limited power set. She could just kind of explode things. And by the end of the movies, remember, uh, in Endgame, she was going up against Thanos. She was able to take him on with how big her power was. And now in here, we see her in this 50s TV show, clicking her fingers, uh, moving plates around in the air, uh, doing the kind of magic you would see within those TV shows. So if anybody's kind of putting together their list of what powers Wanda has, it's going to be quite difficult to keep track of what her actual powers are and what they're showing off in the show. But uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing a bit more bit more detail about what her real powers are as opposed to the stuff that she can do for the TV show. Uh, I think it's partly just that setup, isn't it? That's why she can't yes. make dinner because it's much funnier if she can't make dinner with uh, yeah, exactly. click of her fingers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Bob Phillips uh, says... I had no clue what to expect despite teasers and no idea when the colour would drain back into the 4x3 world of WandaVision. And the fact it stayed in the 50s made me sink entirely into the daft mess. (laughs) Where is it going, though? The toaster had a red light... The company is a front for something, and Mr. Hart, lobsters, magic, and a ukulele, (laughs) and more importantly, has Agnes, the nosy neighbor, truly murdered her husband and is looking for a new partner? (laughs) Yes, Ralph certainly likes to uh, remain off screen. Yeah. And and maybe deep down, Agnes is a serial killer. Um, They do say it's always by the people you know. Um, So Wanda and Vision better watch out, I I, I guess, for for Agnes. That would be Um, such a weird twist of the story if she was a serial killer, wouldn't it? 
It really would. <laughs> I think we also may have been watching too many serial killer shows on it, Netflix. It could be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah uh, thanks, Bob, for the feedback. Uh, great to have you on board uh, for One Division. Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Um, a few corrections uh, to me for uh, my insistence <laughs> last week that the show Yay. was based around uh, I Love Lucy. Lots of people getting in contact. Uh, Donald Dennis first says, that actually looked like the Dick Van Dyke house. And Jeff Charles echoed, I love the Dick Van Dyke show-inspired set. Uh, how much does Agnes really know? How is Sword watching Wanda and Vision? I'm intrigued, and I think I'll need to rewatch this episode after I've seen all the rest. I love the payoff on the lobsters that one ended up as the door knocker. <laughs> Absolutely, Jeff. Yeah, I think that's it's a bit of a weird thing with uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. Didn't really translate over here. We know uh, Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. Um the, the character Oi, was, was played by the same actor. Uh, but the Dick Van Dyke show didn't really come into the 80s. No. I, I wonder if it's, no. and, and excuse me here, because we are a PG podcast, but I do wonder if the double entendre that's in uh, two of those words <laughs> may not have translated to British TV in the 80s. Uh, so uh, I don't. I, I think the joke goes that you wouldn't be able to commission a show called that uh, nowadays. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I, I will agree with my podcast host that it, I... Did not even know that that show was a show. Mm-hmm. I oh, know really? I Love Lucy. Yeah. I know the actor, Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not know he had his own show called The Dick Van Dyke Show. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew about the show, but I just never, ever watched it. But um, yeah, I loved the payoff of The Lobsters as well, as everyone now knows. But uh, <laughs> thanks, Donald. Thanks, Jeff. Yes, we have some additional feedback from Kelly Resendez, who continues to say, definitely not what I expected, but I don't really know what I expected. Strange, quirky, fun, funny. Where are they taking us with all this? Loved the old time sitcom feel, the Dick Van Dyke joke, the honeymooners, I love Lucy, and I can't wait to see where they take us from here. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, as you say, though, apparently are all the inspirations for this first episode. Um, I know one of them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. Um, Ray Felix says, I saw the first two episodes and thought it was fab. It reminded me of Mr. Robot Season 2 and the beginning of Natural Born Killers, which both took a sitcom-style approach. Mm. If you've read the Avengers X-Men crossover House of M, the show is very loosely based on it, mixed with I Love Lucy and The Honeymooners. Yeah, thanks for that, Ray. Uh, Ronaldo also added uh, Tom King's vision uh, mm-hmm. to that uh, input into this world of WandaVision. It really is taking that House of M. I remember that being a really great comic, yeah. and I'm glad that, you know, that there, there is that, I guess, underlying darkness because you know there is some House of M uh, sort of use in here mm-hmm. uh, and um the this this happiness from the first two episodes is probably going to have so much horrendousness <laughs> or, or underneath it yeah good call um, out on, on national board killers as well i completely forgot that, yeah. that opening scene which is effectively how mallory gets away from her family is just told as if it's a sitcom but really brutally violent yeah. conversations that yeah. are going on and this kind of stuff so uh and then turns into the movie national board killers which is brutally violent and, and quite explicit but the opening of it was done in this really sitcom style where people are laughing at things they really shouldn't be laughing at so very similar like that yeah thanks ray thanks so much for that ray um first voicemail 
for the season. And I think this is actually the first piece of feedback we got. Uh, middle of the night uh, came in um, after the episodes had aired on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Xander Ray sent us in some feedback. Hello, gents. How are you? It's so good to see the Defenders TV podcast back in my podcast stream. So glad my mates are back. Uh, WandaVision was amazing. I saw the first two episodes, but I'll only comment on the first. Um, you guys are way off on what show this is, on what show it's supposed to be. This is not I Love Lucy at all. It's the Dick Van Dyke show. As somebody who grew up uh, on Naked Night reruns of all that classic TV, this was so, so, so the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, Elizabeth Olsen is an amazing Mary Tyler Moore, <laughs> a sort of copy. Um, but in general, I really like the show. I think it's very interesting. And uh, and their chemistry totally, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to hold this show together no matter how weird it gets. Because Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen are great. Um, uh, Catherine Hahn, the neighbor, <laughs> is like the perfect sexed-up neighbor um, from all those old shows. Uh, anyway, great to have you guys back again, and so looking forward to the entire season of WandaVision. I'm, 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 I'm dancing at 5 in the morning right now. <laughs> Later, mates. Love it, Xander. I love that you've come back to us as well from uh, Defenders TV Podcast. Yeah, we've been off air on Defenders TV Podcast for like a year or so and uh, and suddenly having episodes reappear again in the Marvel feeds. Great. Uh, great to have our listeners back from then. Yeah, you seem uh, just as excited, I think, as we were when we watched uh, the first couple of episodes of this of this brand new show because it's so not what we expected. Uh, I don't mind being corrected about uh, our, my, my use of I Love Lucy by our awesome listeners because you guys always know more than we do. So uh, so we love hearing from you. Thanks so much for that, Sander. On to episode two feedback. Victor Sellers sent in an email to us uh, again uh, telling me that I was wrong on uh, I Love Lucy. He says, <laughs> I think the episode leans more towards Dick Van Dyke than I Love Lucy, especially the house. The home is very similar to the Petri residence. You've probably seen episode two by now. The house is now closer to Donna Reed. Love your podcasts. Ciao, Victor. Uh, thanks so much, Victor. Yeah, there's a there's a reference that we definitely wouldn't get. Donna Reed was another show from the, uh, from the late 50s, early 60s in the US that I, again, Donna Reed, very famous actress, um, was in lots of films that you've seen if you like uh, like black and white films, including one of my favorite movies. It's it's a wonderful life. Um, so really interesting that she had her own show as well, Chris. Like you were saying, you know, didn't know Dick Van Dyke had a TV show. I never knew that Donna Reed had a TV show. But uh, interesting references. Thanks so much for that, Victor. Yeah, thanks, Victor. Derek absolutely said it was I Love Lucy, <laughs> but. Look, I got it even further off the mark in that I thought it was bewitched straight from <laughs> straight from the first episode because I didn't really fully, I didn't get into I Love Lucy as much as bewitched, um, yeah. and I and Va- Dick Van Dyke, yeah, it's it's one of those that knew about but never watched. Right. I just guess. We thought it was going to be a chimney sweep in it all the time, um, and d- dancing on the the roof tiles. But uh, is yeah. that is that why Vision's doing the kind of Cockney accent in this episode? <laughs> I mean, is he, he might be. Is he hilarious. Is he referencing that. Um, so yeah, I, I I had the first two episodes pegged at Bewitched just because I guess Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda is doing magic. <laughs> yeah, but I will quote Vision from episode one where he goes, "Yakety yak." 
please talk back. Yes, <laughs> just keep sending us this. Like again, we, like there are going to be blind spots, but we're so happy that you, our fellow defenders, can send us this and actually point out these shows and we we didn't get and we didn't know and now we can actually quickly jump back and see absolutely um, i am sure that we had a segment before which was correct derek uh segment so keep doing it i love it <laughs> yeah always the next piece of feedback we had was from 084 they had this to say by email i really loved the wandavision premiere and it's great that i loved it for different ways than i expected to too of course, I was going to inhale the first Marvel Studio content in a year and a half and have rose-colored glasses, but they really delved into driving the story with style above all. The first two episodes were literally a 1950s and 60s sitcom about a witch with a robot husband with campy and silly plot lines straight out of that time period. Even the special effects were decades old, and I loved it. And, of course, the MCU fan in me gobbled up all the mystery sprinkled in. All those sword logos, Geraldine, Agnes, the helicopter, the radio, the colour red, and, of course, the guy wearing a suit that somehow looks too much like a beekeeper to be aimed. Mm. Oh, plus the Stark Toaster and Strucker Hydra wristwatch commercials. You can't take your eyes off the screen for a second. Can't wait to see how all this story keeps on going. Until next time, 084. Thank you so much, 084. Yeah, I, I literally this. This yep. is like most of all of us and all your fellow defenders. It's just one, the one thing I will, as you say, you can't take your eyes off the screen for a second. Absolutely. It is going to Definitely. Be sprinkled i don't even think sprinkled is the best term anymore i think they're going to back up a dump truck of uh easter eggs and just throw them onto each episode and we're going to be finding these little kind of little mysteries for the next couple of years but sprinkled sounds nicer than dumb it does yes it does it does sorry from a grammatical perspective and from a thesaurus yes it does excellent sprinkle is better than dump Absolutely. 084, so great to hear from you again. We haven't heard from 084 since I think back, uh, Watchmen, uh, as well. Yep. So, uh, so great to, uh, to have you back on, on board for the Marvel train, uh, yeah. or the Marvel dump truck. As Absolutely. Chris is call it. Uh, thanks. <laughs> the Marvel 084. dump truck. Choo choo. <laughs> That's a train. But anyway. Over on our Facebook group, um, first up was Ronaldo. He goes, hi guys. It was a given that we'd watch the second episode after the premiere, and this builds on the charm of both Wanda and Vision. Mm -hmm. A cast of new characters like Dottie and the Neighborhood Watch really showcase more of the town and give it that homely community vibe. Olsen, again, is excellent. And Bethany, especially after chewing gum and the opening scene whilst they practice their magic trick, is charming and hilarious. Mm -hmm. It really looks like both leads are enjoying themselves. We get more tidbits into what is really happening outside, and I get the sense that the house across the street may be the source. I'm assuming that's where the toy plane came from. Mm. At first, I thought we were going to see the comic characters swarm uh, when the beekeeper came out of 
of the manhole. But in the end, it just became a really random scene. I'm getting more of a sense now that Wanda is the perpetrator of this ideal world. Mm. Whereas in the previous episode, it seemed to allude to there being an organization orchestrating it. The fact Wanda says no and things rewind seem to suggest Wanda is altering reality to a degree. It'd be interesting to see how they explain this, as although it's a common trait of hers in the comics, in the MCU, she appeared to have been limited to just telekinesis. Mm -hmm. The chant for the children for the children children, must have some bearing and it may well be connected to Wanda's pregnancy that we see late in the episode. Comic fans again would appreciate this massive event for Wanda in the comics. Overall, I'm liking how the show appears to have married Tom King's vision series with a pseudo House of M vibe for Wanda. I'm enjoying every second of this show and you can bet I'll be rewatching it, if not only to answer the TV podcast industry's pub quiz questions. Oh, excellent. A new entrant. Um, can't wait to hear how you all view the show so far in your indelible manner. Next week can't come quickly enough. Thanks so much, uh, Ronaldo. Yeah. yeah, no, it's interesting with these external influences now with the beekeeper. I was just thinking my uncle was a beekeeper. I wonder <laughs> if he was associated with sword. I don't know <laughs> now. Um, but it was, yeah, really interesting about that it's in her head. Um, I, I guess, um, like, like we were discussing on the podcast, it would be interesting to know, are they creating it and she's manipulating it or she created it, as you're saying, and maybe they are in some way containing it because of some existential threat to uh, the world. Um, so it'd be really interesting. And yeah, the, the mix in vibe with um, Tom King's vision and, and House of M. Um, I, these are great storylines to be sort of yeah. picking from um for these two characters for mm-hmm. sure absolutely so um yeah cannot wait for for next week's episode Excellent. yes thanks thanks so much ray i think after watching these episodes the first thing i wanted to know was what do yeah. other people think about this because <laughs> i was going i really enjoyed that that was really good fun i wonder what other people think about it so uh so hopefully we're providing a little bit of that for you and i love hearing all the feedback from uh from all of our fellow defenders uh next up alan thomas says i liked this consistently better than the premiere episode four to five versus a three out of five for the initial episode although the toy plane being at first the one touch of color was awfully pleasant phil i take it by what we saw at the end that the whole show being color from now on feels like they need to pick up the pace a bit in developing the actual plot as opposed to presumably meaningless sitcom hijinks but it's only seven more short episodes so i'm willing to see where it goes does anyone think any of the other characters like co-workers or neighbors are real sentient beings with actual agency i suspect not but again, time will tell. Thanks for that, Alan. Nice call out to Ple- Pleasantville. Uh, yeah, a show where effectively as colour takes over the world, uh, everybody becomes more uh, cognizant of what's going on around them and becomes more real, I suppose. That's a, that's a really good call out there. Um, I'm, yeah, I do wonder if the characters that are surrounding them are plants maybe by, uh, by sword to look over um, Wanda and Vision. That's what's going on there. But at the moment, there seem to be going along with the script of the TV show that they're that they're uh, supposed to be following, I suppose. But um, I, the one kind of one that stood out to me in the episode is that meeting in the town hall as Vision arrives and everybody's having a conversation before he arrives. You know, you, you wonder whether that 
is actually a conference between all the other characters that are playing their roles in this in this world. But uh, definitely something we'll see as the episodes go along. Yeah, and I guess with uh, with Wanda's reversal of time there, right at the end, like you know, you see it being the the whole TV screen. Uh, what I mean is, it's not just simply Wanda and Vision reversing back through like the whole thing has the lines running through it as mm-hmm. it, it rewinds like the old video players exactly and so i i guess all the other characters must suddenly be finding themselves reversing as well or, <laughs> maybe, or, yeah. or suddenly uh, you know if if they have agency if maybe they're connected to sword that they find themselves in color yeah. for example yeah. or whether they're just as you say not really um sentient because again that scene with Dottie with the blood did she actually yeah. see red blood or yeah. did she just blood. see gray. um the, the 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 yeah the gray blood from yeah. uh that do they see them even know that they're in black and white versus color or whatever yeah. so yeah really because didn't uh, she really interesting didn't Dottie kind of reset to the type of line that a character like that would say you know she says how do you get blood out of your clothes do it yourself basically is the, is the, way, that she, the way that she says it so uh so yeah she's kind of reverting to a to a 60s housewife kind of thing yeah thanks again alan for that kale hensley um said did anyone get a good look at the logo on the back of the beekeeper's outfit mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure it was sword but I couldn't help but wonder if that was an aim reference. Mm-hmm. Yet, thanks, Kale. And um, certainly, when I saw that and I saw the beekeeper, I was kind of going, "Yeah, that that has a nice little reference." Whether it's you know going to pan out that way uh, to aim, uh, which uh, yeah, I, I kind of quite like aim. I like the kind of they're pretty useless really but i kind of like that as bad guys you know it, it's kind of like in um, the old bomb movies where uh you know people just kind of chuck themselves off like <laughs> high places even though bond hasn't actually touched them and um, they kind of do that they're like lemmings they just jump off a cliff exactly. um, and I, I should also say i hadn't seen 084's um reference to aim as well so yeah. Uh, good catch as well from 084 yeah it was just Kales thanks for that Kel and it was definitely sword uh, on the back of the the beekeeper yep and on the uh, helicopter as we pointed out in the episode yes thank you Kale we had some additional feedback from Matthew Randell who had this to say I think I could watch a hundred of just these straight goofy old sitcom episodes and not get bored but it is nice to know they're building up to something and it's nice to see Vision in full colour again the grey was giving me sad Infinity War flashbacks like yeah I didn't think about that yeah good literally the end good catch yeah yeah that that is really that's a really nice kind of thematic feed into that actually that he's at the end of the MCU movies, he's great, and in here, he's great. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah, yeah good good cool. catch, Matt. Kelly Rosinda's uh, also caught the same thing. She says she loves how episode two keeps with the light sitcom feel, but then the Twilight Zone-ish switch uh, more than meets the eye. I feel Wanda is a catalyst here, obviously, whether knowingly creating this world for herself uh, uh, or she's in this world and her subconscious and seeing the cracks in it. And the question from Kelly at the end is, did we start in black and white because that was the last vision of vision that Wanda saw. So exactly the same thing. I did not think about that yeah, at all. But really good yeah, point. as he's uh, drained of his powers, as he's drained of the Mind Stone from, uh, from Thanos crushing his head, he turns black and white. So, uh, so yeah, that's a really good catch, guys. Well done, Kelly and Matt. Yeah, thanks, Kelly uh, and Matt. 
Yes, we additionally had some other feedback from Claire Payne, who said, I really enjoying the pacing of this show, and the second episode really exposing the Truman Show elements. Mm. I love the commercials, and this time, a man's watch, which has Hydra and the Octopus Skull Syndrome on the watch face. The male voice coming through the radio saying Wanda's name sounded like Happy Hogan, played by John Favreau. Ooh. I don't know if there could be a connection in there. In why would he be saying that? I really do enjoy the relationship between Vision and Wanda. The comedy really does make me laugh out loud. I am so invested in this show. I'm not even going to overthink where this could go. Roll on episode three. <laughs> Could've yeah. Gone. Couldn't agree more, Claire. I love Roll it. on episode three. I love it. Yeah. I'm not going to overthink this. Uh, Let's just get to the next episode. I totally agree yeah. I wish we couldn't ever think it. We totally ever think it for uh, for an hour. Um, just one, just one kind of call on how would Wanda know Happy Hogan? Remember, everybody was at the funeral of Tony Stark at the end of uh, of Endgame, including uh, basically all of the characters. Everybody that was alive at the end was yeah. was there. So, uh, as far as I remember, Wanda was there um, in that final scene as well. So, uh, so remember, the world did continue after Endgame. So they may have formed relationships and bonds with different characters uh, in those in those future moments yeah. after Endgame. But we don't know when this takes place, of course. It could be in an instant, uh, this whole piece takes place. We will definitely find out more as the episodes go on. Richard Blaze um, says, Here is one for all the cool kids out there. Just watch WandaVision and Anya from Buffy the Vampire Slay- Slayer is in it. Made me feel well old. She looked like Anya's mum. If Anya had a mum... Spoiler, she was a demon in Buffy. <laughs> uh, bunnies, bunnies, it must be bunnies. Man, I am so hip. We and th- hop. <laughs> nice it, job, Richard. nice. We think you're pretty hip, Richard. We call it the same thing. And I'm just hop. as excited. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Uh, Claire Laffer says, I love that chewing gum turns vision into a drunk cockney. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. You should see what a d- chewing gum does to John. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't turn me into a drunk cockney. I don't know no, what it turns alcohol, me into. The alcohol does. Yeah, that. it's alcohol that turns <laughs> me into a drunk cockney. Um, or dare I say, it, a sniff of alcohol turns me into a drunk cockney. <laughs> <laughs> and then a sleepy cockney. <laughs> yeah. We also had some feedback from Jeff Childs who said, now the house interior is bewitch inspired. I also like the transition from twin beds to a queen. I'm curious to find out if Wanda is creating the world consciously or subconsciously. She seems to have control, like when she rewound the scene after the beekeeper showed up, but she also seems surprised by a great many things. Yeah, I think that's just going to be one of the the ongoing (laughs) mysteries Mm -hmm. of this show, which is how much is, how much control does does she control? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yep, we'll see this goes on. And Jeff, I'm well impressed by your ability to know that it's a queen bed just from looking at it. Um, <laughs> I, I can't even do anything like that. Like, whenever I have to get new sheets, yep. it's kind of out comes the measuring tape because I never remember what size bed it is that we have. Uh, I know, it's, it's really like... easy. You're a queen the size of the bed's a queen. <laughs> but wiggly, I have a king. <laughs> what's shocking is the amount of times you've come back with sheets for a twin bed which I don't yeah. <laughs> finally for Facebook feedback Sandy Rosinda says my theory is that Wanda has been captured maybe by Hydra experiments are being done on her and this is all in her mind good theory Sandy yeah I think yeah, that's, that's, that's another quite good to, theory actually yeah. Yeah, yeah that Hydra want their intellectual property back so to speak maybe yeah yeah maybe <laughs> 
We are going to go Hi, on. just Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Hail Disney. Um, finally, we're going to go on to some voicemails. Mark Kirkman sent in a voicemail to us uh, for this episode, for the first two episodes, actually. Hello, TV Podcast Industries. Mark Kirkman here from Panels to Pixels Podcast. I just wanted to throw you guys some feedback and my thoughts on WandaVision that you guys are covering across the pond on your podcast. You guys are able to do that a lot sooner than we are, Steve and I. And I'm sure Steve is probably sending out his own voicemail just the same. So I just had a, a few notes that I had based upon the WandaVision episodes one and two. So first off, the intro with the classic Marvel Disney intro was amazing. We finally get that. That's something that's not just within the movies itself that we knew before 2019. It, this is something new to Disney+. Plus. This is new to Marvel on pretty much like a TV platform because this is the first of what we get. So that really got the, the juices rolling. And I just love it that we get that first and foremost. And to continue on, you know, basically, uh, I love the classic black and white with the bewitched theme for the first two episodes. They have the introductions very similar to like I Love Lucy and then they go into Bewitched, which is amazing and it's fun. I, I just love the the way they actually film too is just intense. It really looks good on my 65 inch OLED TV and an Atmos surround sound in my place. Uh, the, the sound is amazing. Plus... I just love how they, when they do these episodes, they're doing this whole feel of similar to the movie Pleasantville with Tobey Maguire, of all things, you know, <laughs> former Spider-Man himself from Sony, as well as the Truman Show, like she's trapped into this kind of TV. Now, they also mentioned within the episodes themselves, you know, Vision re regards her, even within the first episode with the boss and the dinner, saying it's something from Sokovia. We haven't really heard any of that in a long time of Wanda being from Sokovia. I thought that was pretty cool. Though the humor is there, this is one of the be the beginning of what we're supposed to get, like pretty much a glimpse of what's to come within Wanda's madness. And I think she... And Sokovia, as a child, grasped to these TV shows that, that grew up on these. And we're going to see these because that's what they have. They have old classic TV shows, and that's what they're going through. And this is her safe place, her safe haven. And plus, we get to see Vision in a different light of being a little bit more... He has more personality to him than he ever did within the movies itself. So, you know, just to give you an idea of where my mind is going, there are key points within the first episodes that Wanda is aware of what is going on, but is so engulfed with being in in that world to be happy. It's her happy place. But reality does shine in. So in the first episode we get when Vision when Vision's boss is choking, she emphatically tells Vision to stop this. And he does all well, he does because he, you know, takes the the food that's out of his his uh, boss's mouth while he's choking using his powers. But you could see that that's what's going on. Then in the second episode, after the, you know, we, we get the baby bump at the very end, after we get that reveal, like, oh, look at this. And then they're outside and they see the beekeeper coming out of the sewer. Then the, re the scene actually resets and then they're back to where they were before the beekeeper comes out of the sewage, out of uh, the manhole. 
And I, I thought that was pretty cool. And then on top of that, keys that I've seen. Did anybody see sword on in certain locations? That was pretty cool. So you got to keep apprised to what's going on within the episode. I saw a lot of sword symbols within the first two episodes. And whose voice was that on the radio? Honestly, I'm thinking that's Clint. Clint Barton. And he's trying to reach. She's got to be in some sort of facility. And they're trying to wake her up from something. She's uh, somewhere that they're trying to save her. She Maybe she's in a coma or something. I do not know. But within her own mind, she's creating this own world. And who knows what her powers are doing in the real world. This is my mind just brainstorming, dude. So you, you guys could uh, take that up however you want. But uh, I, I look forward to what you guys have to hear because I'm not going to give away all my good spoiler stuff because I want people to listen to it on my podcast. <laughs> I love you guys. We try to promote you guys as much as we can. Steve loves you. I love listening to you guys and your takes and what you have to offer, whether it be in DC, Marvel, or anything that you're covering at that point. So I look forward to listening to you and see what you have to say. And I'll be listening just the same as everybody else. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you so much, Mark, for your voicemail. Really good to hear your thoughts about the episode. Yeah, love listening to Panels to Pixels as well with uh, with our good friends, Mark and Steve, uh, on their thoughts about episodes of, uh, of TV related to comic books. They're uh, both really fun to listen to and, and great to hear your thoughts, Mark. Yeah. Um, I'll, be, I'll definitely be listening to your thoughts about uh, WandaVision when you get around to it. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I like you mentioning about Sokovia. I think, you know, it kind of gets forgotten that she's Sokovian. Mm-hmm. Because um, her accent's gone, John. Because of the accent, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's that's kind of a, a, a nice kind of just nod back with the whole the Sokovian greeting. Um, I liked your term, <laughs> the sewage beekeeper. Um, I tell you what, I will not eating that honey no and of course now we have three names in the hat for the voice on the radio we've got clint barton as you mentioned mark but also happy hogan Mm -hmm. and of course i presumably something that's becoming even more improbable uh said steve rogers um Mm -hmm. so i i guess it will be big bird from sesame street in the end um (laughs) who knows we also have falcon of the winter soldier who have a tv show coming out directly after wandavision it may be uh bucky barnes or uh or sam wilson that could be on the the call there potentially tying it into the next tv show but uh but some nice names in the hat there um Oh, just quickly, since you did mention uh, Steve Rogers, you, you know that whole rumor has been kind of debunked by Chris Evans. He basically said, I've never heard about this. So uh, that rumor that he's coming back to the MCU is has been debunked by him. But let's see. There's, there's, no, there's no true confirmation from either Marvel or him, I suppose, is where we are. True, that is where we are. But I will say very quickly that the actress who is playing uh, Jessica Walters in um, The Incredible Hulk. Tatiana Maslany, yeah. Yep. When the reporter went to her and went, hey, we hear you are literally being cast for this. She went, no, I'm not. Yeah, I haven't absolutely. even spoken to them. And she had been cast and she was just hadn't signed the contract yet. Yeah. The rumor is that he they've gone to it and they're trying to sign a contract. So he has to say, first I've heard it, similar, I expect... Yeah. It's, well, it's also one of those wonderful rumors that can be made up by websites because, well, the Marvel Universe is going to go on for another 50 years. And if, yes. now, if Chris Evans ever reappears in the MCU, they'll go, we broke that story in January 2021. <laughs> Look how yeah. far ahead we Sorry. were. 
<laughs> but there you go. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks so much, Mark, for your feedback. Uh, great to hear from you. We have your co-host from Panel to Pixels as our final voicemail for our awesomely long feedback section. Thanks so much to everybody who's been sending their feedback. Steve Brown, take it away. Hello, TV Podcast Industries. This is Steve, and uh, I have watched both uh, episodes one and two of uh, WandaVision, and uh, wow, a really good start. Uh, I will admit, I'm glad. I watched a video or a YouTube video this week that kind of gave a recap of what was going on, but you really don't need to know what's going on uh, prior to this, at least at this point in in the story. So um, I'm excited uh, for the the rest of this uh, this season. I love the the aspect ratio changing there at the end, so we know that someone is watching what they're doing and someone is trying to help them. Obviously, someone's trying to reach out to to Wanda. I loved the the Beach Boys. Uh, help me, Wanda uh, was was incredible because the first time I heard it, I was like, "Are they saying Wanda instead of Rhonda?" And I was like, "Yep, they're saying Wanda." So I loved it. I thought it was great. And uh, uh, again, it's uh, we're seeing that there's obviously something deeper going on. So uh, I'm excited to find out. I'm a little. The only thing that I think that bothers me a little bit is that it's only Wanda. That's noticing that something's wrong, that Vision hasn't noticed that something's off yet. So, but maybe that'll come later. All right. Uh, can't wait to hear your podcast. Talk to you later. Thank you so much, Steve. Always great to hear from you. Always uh-huh. great to get your feedback. Um, yeah, no, I, it does sound like they changed it to Wanda instead of Rhonda, but really? I, I don't know. I, it, it just in my head, then it, I've listened to it a couple times. I'm like, it doesn't, maybe it's just, I don't know. It sounds like the original, but maybe I'm changing it in my head. Or Yes, makes, exactly. Yeah, because is, we is want it to be one. But, <laughs> but that's really cool, Steve. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah, that aspect ratio change at the end as well was a really nice little touch as well. Um, I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. And yeah, Vision so far, uh, not really uh, kind of getting any sense. But it, I guess if he's, dead or a creation of Wanda's mind, maybe he never will. Mm, so yeah, maybe. it'll be interesting mm. to see if he does kind of spot that because then you're kind of going, um, is that Wanda giving him that power or is it something else entirely? As I say, um, I did mention about a, a kind of a shadow of vision coming from the fact that he died twice. I guess he is robotic Jesus in that sense, maybe. coming back from uh, the dead, but then he's never truly alive, is he? That is a much deeper question that we're going to answer on this episode. Thanks, everybody, for your feedback. Everybody now is in the hat for the WandaVision Funko Pops uh, coming up at the end of the season. Please keep sending us your feedback. We love to hear your thoughts on the show. As I say, we'll be recording on Saturdays every week. But if you missed the cutoff point for your feedback in episode three, or if you've missed the cutoff point for episode one or two, we will read the feedback on the next episode we record. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV Podcast Industries. Or you can even follow us on Twitter or Instagram at TV Podcast Industries or TV Pod Industries on Twitter. That's the one. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to get some reviews on Apple Podcasts as well or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, find us on, on there by just searching for TV Podcast Industries. Love to hear what you're thinking about the podcast. Yes, you can also support us by heading on over to patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries and help keep our producer caffeinated as we go go into the MCU. 
extension of what will be another fantastic seven episodes. Yes, thanks so much. We'll be back next week with One Division, imaginatively titled Episode Three, uh, which will air at Disney Plus from f- Friday, the twenty second of January. Guys, genuinely, I waited to release episode one podcast we had it recorded on thursday all edited ready to go i waited to release it to get the actual episode name when it came up at disney plus turned on disney plus at 8 a.m our time on friday and the episode title was episode one i was so disappointed oh so angry but anyway it's just a little bit of a little bit of a a, a pet peeve i suppose that they don't uh, they don't have a name for the episode it's not that difficult but anyway there you go I beg to differ. It could be quite difficult. It could be the name of the world is episode. Maybe. And who knows? (laughs) And maybe that links in with the Truman Show. Oh, yeah. It is an episode of an episode. Maybe. Of an episode of an episode. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much. As always, it is fantastic to be back with you guys. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow Defenders, for joining us and for all the feedback um, and for listening to us. It's really great to have you on board for WandaVision. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye. Ah, For the children. For the children. Bye.